Hey, everybody. Thanks for stopping into this Rounds On Us podcast. Today, I'm joined with my buddy, Chris. Chris, do you want to introduce yourself? Hey, how's it going? Thanks for having me on. Uh, my name is Chris Rayner. I'm a Marine Corps veteran. Got out about a month ago. Uh, just been hanging around North Carolina. Thanks for having me on. Uh, yeah, man, no problem. I'm glad you uh, decided to come on and speak a little bit about yourself, what you did while you are in the military, and what you got going on now. Um, if you want to, you can kind of tell everybody what you did while you were in. Yeah, yeah. So I joined uh, back in 2018. Um, got a little bored in my hometown. Wanted to do something different, kind of straighten myself up a little bit. Uh, joined on. Wanted to be um, really interested in like legal subjects. I wanted to be a legal clerk or a paralegal or something, um, but ended up somehow getting aviation supply. So took that, rocked it, met a lot of great people. Um, but yeah. Uh, did I ever tell you that I joined under a Intel contract? No, I don't. Uh, you know, I feel like we might have had that conversation a while ago, but that didn't surprise me at all. Yeah, they uh, they got me good. I took, I like, I took the. Uh, oh shoot, I can't remember what it's called, but I did the whatever the lingual test was. I did that. I passed that. They gave me a Intel contract. I signed that. Went off to boot camp, and then because of the fact that I didn't have a driver's license, they they yanked that from me. Oh, that's, that's, that's terrible. I, uh, I was going to be, um, I was actually going to be Intel myself, uh, but I got, I had to have a waiver. Um, my recruiter kind of tricked me. So I didn't mm. end up working out. It was either that or band. Cause I don't, you know, I've played trumpet for a long time, but, uh, ended up getting supply. So be- being with the band wouldn't have been a bad gig. No, no. I mean, they promote quick. Um, you know, you, I can't imagine it's too hard of a job. I know you practice quite a bit, but I love you know I love music. So, but yeah, their their level of of good is a different level than than mine. You know, they're they're the best, the best, the person's own. So, it all comes with good training. Yeah, absolutely. They, you know, they look for I think it was like six six years or so minimum of private lessons, and I hadn't had. Oh wow! Yeah, it's it's quite intense, and uh, you really have to be able to play on the spot. I I get a little nervous sometimes when I'm playing in front of like for an audition or something i can play great in an ensemble or a band um you know i was the lead trumpet in my symphonic band in high school i don't like to brag or anything but yeah solos i don't know can't do it one-on-one but that kind of yeah that all makes sense though that's how i am i like to play the guitar but god forbid somebody sits down in the room next to me while i'm trying to play it that's all i think about the entire time <laughs> I'm the same way. Uh, so, as tra- as is tradition here on the podcast, no good friend is a good friend without a good drink behind him. What are you drinking today? Uh, tonight, we're, we're bringing back an old classic, uh, BL Limes tonight. Really love Bud Light uh, Lime. I don't know. Not a, not a big Bud Light guy in general, but these are pretty good. So, got a few lined up for this uh, this conversation. All right, sounds good. I have the same thing I had last time, which is my Jack Daniels single barrel, and I am drinking that along with some watermelon Johnny Bootlegger. Wow. Yeah, wow. I Old I faithful. hate I hate artificial watermelon, and I'm sure I'm gonna hate this, but it's the first one I pulled out of my collection. Wow, that's uh, you know Jack is a uh, certainly certainly Old Faithful. You know what I mean? I drank a lot of that in high school. I can't really, uh, I don't know. Captain's my, my go-to 
uh, darker liquor these days. I try to stick to beer though, because I just like drinking. I don't like getting too drunk. You know, Does that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Oh yeah, that makes perfect sense. I just kind of pace myself along. Yeah, I wish I had learned how. You know, <laughs> <laughs> Marine yeah. Corps doesn't help with that. No, you know, you can crush eight beers, and I could, you know, I can uh, be fine. Uh, but just liquor is a different different game for me. Oh yeah. But uh, all right. So, cheers. Yeah, cheers. Goes down like glass. <laughs> so, uh, the first thing I guess would be a good thing to bring up is you did a lot more other than just your your uh, nine to five for the military in your uh, your Marine Corps time. I sure did. I sure one, did. Yeah. One thing that I definitely did want to question is I don't think I met anybody who was more knowledgeable in crypto than you were the entire time that I was in the military. Was that something that you were doing before you got in? Yeah, you know, I love crypto um, just because it's it's new. It's different. It's got a lot of great potential. I'm really not super, super knowledgeable. I know a lot of friends of mine who are just insane with the the in-depth knowledge. And I, I could probably get there someday. I just, it's the back burner thing. More of an, like a long-term investment now than it used to be. A, used to, you know, day trade and uh, make some bucks here and there. But I remember uh, crypto first started for me back in uh, 2013, 2014. I was in high school. Uh, a buddy of mine, um, he he told me what Bitcoin was, and I was like, "Oh, yeah, that's interesting." Uh, didn't really uh, didn't really understand the concept, and he's like, "Yeah, you know, back this is when it was like a couple cents a coin, um, yeah, maybe a couple maybe a couple dollars. I don't remember exactly, but um, back when it was real cheap." And he, you know, he pulled up his wallet uh, and he showed me um, he had you know thirty, forty Bitcoin, and so I, you know, I gave him some money. He he went out and made me a wallet. Uh, I bought, I don't know, I probably had 30, 40, 50 Bitcoin at a time. Um, and I, it's funny because I, I joke about it now, you know, the, the Bitcoin millionaires and the Bitcoin Lambos and all that. Like, I could have done that, but... Yeah, that could have been you. <laughs> you know, I, I kicked myself, but it, it is what it is, you know. Um, I ended up selling and I made a couple, you know, a couple hundred bucks. I'm pretty proud of myself. And since then, I've been just a trade, you know, uh, Doge. I was in Doge back in... Um, Back in high school too, when it first came out, it was really funny. It was a big joke. Back when the Doge the Doge meme was big, and lo and behold, uh, it blew up last year. So, um, you know, I've made a a couple bucks here and there. Um, I just think it's a really cool concept, and uh, especially Web three metaverse and all that's coming quickly. The blockchain is just a very fascinating thing. So, what are your thoughts on the metaverse? Um, it's it's a lot for me to grasp. I really haven't been able to kind of wrap my mind around the concept to be, to be completely honest. You know, you'd think I'd be right in there. Um, but I know, I mean, I'm in real estate now, so like, you know, we can talk more about that later, but, uh, they're talking about moving, you know, and selling real estate in the metaverse. I just don't, I don't understand how that makes sense, but people yeah, keep saying, I think about, anytime I think about it, I just like think back to, uh, VR chat. <laughs> yeah. And that's that's like the only thing that I can wrap my head around. And I don't understand how it's supposed to be this next great thing when we kind of already have been rolling around that realm for a while now. 
Yeah, you know, I, people keep comparing it to when the internet first came out and everyone was skeptical. And that just just that analogy alone really opens my eyes to things like that. So, you know, I don't just you know a lot of older people and, um, you know, just a lot of people in general kind of just brushing it off. But, I, you know, I keep my ear open. I, I read the news and uh, I do a little bit of reading here and there about the metaverse. So I think in a, maybe a year or so, um, I'd like to jump into NFTs. Um, mostly because of the, the, you know, concept of flipping and making, you know, a, a good living off doing that in general. Yeah. Um, but I think it will probably pick up some traction uh, in the, in the near future. I'm just not really ready to, I have got, I got a lot going on. I, I'm not really ready to learn about it quite yet. So that makes sense. Yeah. Oh yeah, of course. Uh, when, the, what made you decide that you wanted to do real estate? Yeah, I mean, can you, you mind if I start from the beginning? It's kind of, it's kind of a, um, kind of led up to that, you know. It's, it's a boring yeah. story on why I started just in real estate, but, um, you know, it all. I've always had some sort of knack for selling uh, and making a buck here and there. I, you know, in high school and middle school, I sold uh, fidget spinners when those were big. I was always flipping something. Um, you know, I joined the military. I got a little bored. Uh, we, you know. It, I joined the military thinking I was going to fight in wars and be working from, you know, 4am to 4pm every day. And it really just wasn't that, you know, we had a pretty, pretty steady schedule for the most part and I had a lot of free time and got a little bored and drinking a lot. And I just, just woke up one day and decided to do something more. So I guess um, to answer your question, real estate, I, you know, I, I started with uh, car sales, uh, which, you know, you know about, Yeah. Uh, I, I flipped, um, I actually borrowed my first thousand bucks from my buddy in the barracks. Uh, we wrote up a little contract says, you know, I'm going to pay him back within three months, blah, 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 blah. Cause I didn't even have a thousand dollars in my name. Um, so I took uh, yeah. yeah, I remember, I remember the struggle there. Yeah. Yeah. I took that thousand bucks. I went to Greenville and I bought a, a 91 Jetta and, uh, went to AutoZone. I bought a, one of those really cheap or, orbital buffers. Really wish I hadn't cheaped out cause did a terrible job, but I, I polished it up. Um, you know, I fixed some oil leaks and things like that. And I ended up flipping that for, you know, whatever, 3,500 bucks or something, paid my buddy back and took that money Damn. and flipping and flipping and flipping. And it was just like, I got this high for making money because the military brings you up. Um, and they kind of, they kind of make you think like you can't, there's not really much else to do other than Marine Corps. Uh, Marine Corps. Exactly. Right. You know, there's no, people don't know that they can go out and make, you know, have a second job or, or do, you know, Uber Eats or something like that. People just kind of assume that the Marine Corps controls their entire life, their finances, you know, what they eat, what they do. And that's just not the truth. You know, it's not exactly the truth. It's kind of a myth. Yeah. So, um, car sales, uh, got a little bit more serious when I started getting like higher dollar amount cars. I realized really quickly that you can't really flip a $20,000 car because, most people don't have cash. They have to finance that stuff. And to finance, yep. you have you have to have titles in your name. So I decided, uh, you know, I love some of cash. I've been flipping for a few months. And uh, I went into business uh, with another service member. Uh, we kind of both threw down some cash, opened up a car dealership. Uh, that took me about three months to get with permits and all kinds of stuff. And put a whole bunch of money into that. Um, but one of the stipulations with a car dealership in North Carolina and to get a dealer license, you have to have a full-time employee up to 24, I think it's like a minimum of 24 hours a week. 
So I, at the time, actually, I was uh, working at PMO, which um, for those who don't know, it's a, a military police. And I was, I was a FAP is what they call it, uh, which is basically a fake MP. Um, I didn't have credentials. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's the right, I don't know if that's the right way to put it, but uh, yeah, basically helping them, you know, at the gate, basically a gate guard, but not like a real cop. Um, and the, the shifts that we work, we had, you know, during, this is during COVID and whatever, we only worked three days a week. Um, and there were 12 hour shifts. Doesn't it sound good on paper? It does. It does. I wish my and body. Then, and then you breathe. do it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but the time off was just immaculate. Uh, it was perfect. You know, it, it fostered, I had full days off and I was able to be there at the business working. So, uh, pretty much built this used car dealership from the, the ground up, uh, found a really good spot, um, had the funds, had the, you know, just know how, I don't know how I kind of just taught myself how to run a car dealership, but, um, you know, and, uh, fast forward about a year later, um, I had an employee, uh, made a couple bucks that year and um, just decided like I kind of woke up one day and I'm like, dang, this is a lot of work. And uh, let me find something where I can make a little bit more money and a little bit less headache, I guess. Um, and that's where real estate rolled in. I actually bought my first house this summer and uh, my real estate agent, uh, him and I got talking about real estate investing and it just, I don't know why, but it just fascinated me. Um, yeah, I had a little bit of money in my pocket and I decided to, uh, go get my real estate license, which, you know, costs a couple grand between the classes and licensing and all that, um, mm-hmm. you know, got my license and it just, I don't know, I'm a little ADHD. So I just kind of get fixated on these things that fascinate me. Um, so I just, are you still, uh, are you still practicing real estate? Yeah, actually it's my full-time job now. Um, I still flip cars on the side, uh, but real estate, I do that full-time. I liquidated the dealership, sold all my cars, split the cash between my partner and I, um, and now I do real estate full time. So it's, nice. you know, it's, it's, it's more of a cleaner sales, um, car, used car sales. You kind of get a bad rap, right? You know, used car sales been right. They're scummy. Yeah. Um, you know, that's I, not what I, I am. bet you. I understand. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just kidding. Uh, just kidding. No, I, I see what you're saying though. You know, it's the, it's the, you're known for trying to hide you, stuff and you, and, you, you understand. Know. That's the thing is like, that's what it is on the, on the outside, it's the vast majority ruins it for the minority. Exactly. Exactly. You know, the real estate uh, community is so it's, there's this level of professionalism that has to be maintained at all times. I like that a lot because, um, you know, I'm a, I'm a business professional and, and car sales just weren't really treated uh, the same way, I guess. It's more of a, I feel like real estate, I'm actually helping people find their homes. I'm, I'm using my negotiation skills to my advantage, um, which I, you know, is awesome. Cause I love that. I love negotiating. For uh, sure. Yeah. Communication is so important, but anyway, you know, just in general, it's, it's just a lot, uh, better. It's more lucrative. Um, my hours are a lot less demanding, uh, and I just, the people are nicer. So in general, and that's kind of how I got to real estate. It's just, uh, picked up gigs, found out where I can make money and have flexible hours. And, uh, got my license in July of this year. Uh, or excuse me, July of last year, 2021. And did that for a few months and I uh, got out in January. So kind of helped me segue into a professional career uh, as I'm getting out and pocket some cash while I was in. So it worked out really well. Yeah, I'm I'm definitely proud of everything that you did. You're, you're definitely one of the, uh, one of the hardest working people that I've met in there because you didn't just kind of like 
put everything you had into your military work is you you found a drive for so much more and kind of really went out there and did it. Yeah, you know, I, I appreciate that. And, and really my mindset, and this is kind of a, I don't know if this is a really good mindset, but um, the idea of just being on a salary and not getting compensated for extra work being put in was really just discouraging to me because I, yeah. I can work hard and I want to be compensated properly. Right. Of course. Yeah. That's what, I, yeah. As most, I hope would at least want to, want to work like that. They want to exactly. drive, they want to drive for, for more and not settle for what they have to have. Exactly. You know, and I'm money driven um, and I'm people focused and in the Marine Corps, I just don't think really fostered my, uh, my business mind i guess um but definitely a great learning experience you know i met a lot of great people got a lot of really great professional life skills um great 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 segue you know i guaranteed income healthcare. uh you know i wouldn't change it if i had it any other way i wouldn't have changed it you know i definitely learned a lot and um but yeah no i'm happy to be where i am now so i'm glad yeah that's that's definitely a, a a good thing about it um now Whenever it came to that, did I don't know how it would come from like the command or anything like that, but did you have to let anybody know what you were doing or did you just kind of just start it and then just kind of let it flow from that? Yeah, did, well, there, there's this, just, this is, uh, you know, it's frustrating thinking about it, but there's this automatic assumption by everyone who's, uh, you call them, we call them lifers, right? The guys who've been in almost 20 years. And yep. There's, there's an assumption that um, every Marine and every person, they don't have anything going for them on the outside. So when you get time to come up in your EAS, uh, which for those who don't know is um, end of active service, uh, you're about to get out. Um, people question you, you know, what do you got lined up? Like, you know, reenlist because you're not gonna be able to do anything on the outside. And that's just this like mindset that uh, people don't want to professionally develop themselves before they get out. And, um, I kind of forgot where I was going with this, but I, I just didn't like that. I guess, you know, I, I checked back into uh, my new command and they're like, well, you know, are you re-enlisting? I'm like, no, I'm not. And they're, they're like, well, why? And I was like, oh, I got some, you know, business things going on for me. And and I don't like to brag. Um, so I just kind of tried to get minimal details and they pried it out of me. And uh, to answer your question here, um, everyone seemed to be pretty supportive. I think I was really lucky with my last command. Uh, no one really gave me a hard time just because I didn't let it affect my work. Um, I was... Did you, I can't remember, but whenever you got out of PMO, where did you go back to? I went right back to mouse supply. So you, okay. That's yeah. like, that's one thing that I can say about, about like our shop and everything that we had there. We gave each other a lot of flack at the end of the day, but like when it came down to it, we, we really did have like the best of the best when it came to our staffs. At, I, least, I think so. at least that's my opinion. We really yeah. had some good people behind us. I, I think so too. Um, yeah, they. I, I don't have anything to complain. Everyone's got a bad story where they go, oh, "My command sucks." You know, I really just I didn't have anything to complain about um, because mostly because they just left me alone, and that's all I needed. Um, yeah. So just be treated like an adult. You know, understand that I'm going to be where I need to be when I need to be there, and don't try to micromanage me. And and that's you know I was in a position of leadership by the you know time I got out. So. Um, I wasn't really micromanaged like a lot of you guys are, but uh, my business really, I, I'm working on my phone while I'm working at supply and it was hard, but I, you know, I managed it and didn't really let it interfere with my job. Yeah. In core. And I think that's pretty much why they left me alone is because I didn't make it an issue. So that's good. That's uh that's something that 
I'm sure a lot of people that are in the military or have been in the military either hopefully they got, but I know that a lot of people didn't. I know that's something that, that they would have been looking for with while they're in the service. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, another thing that I I talked about this with uh with Alec because uh, I talked about my time out at PMO, but uh, like there was a lot of I guess times where life just kind of for for the lack of better words like life got shitty at the time of PMO. I don't know if you struggled with this or not, but uh. But, like, when it came to the hours of work, that was something that was kind of, something like, difficult for me to get around. I had a lot of uh, night shift is where I started. I started the mid-shift of, like, the – I think it was, like, the 4 to 12 and then the 12 to 8 or whatever it was. But uh, how did – did, like, the business aspect of everything, is that what kind of kept you grounded in the whole mentality of – not having a lack of time is that just something that you got into for the idea of that's really what you wanted to do or was it the act of like i don't have anything to do and you just kind of found something to grab onto uh yeah i mean it comes back to like uh my childhood you know and i in what happened in my childhood is when i had too much time on my hands i would get in trouble you know like a lot of guys do um, yeah i would just start you know messing around with things i shouldn't mess around with and um, at PMO, honestly, it was probably the best year of my life. I, I really loved my job uh, because being an MP was my second choice. I really wanted to be an MP uh, next to like being a legal clerk. So it was kind of a dream come true. Got to work with the MPs, um, work amazing hours. I mean, they sucked because we ended up working 14, sometimes 16 hour shifts. Uh, oh, shoot. Um, when you went in, you were on four yeah. shifts instead of six shifts. Yeah. Yeah, it was different. Yeah. So we ended up working. We got in. We'd show up around 430 in the morning. Um, and then we get off around six thirty, roughly, sometimes seven. So you yeah. get home, you know, you get off at six thirty, get home at seven, and you got to get right to bed because you got to be up at three thirty to do it all over again. Yeah, um, you know, so we'd go two, three days, whatever, on shift, and uh, then we'd have like three or four days off. Well, usually, typically two or three days, um, depending on the schedule. Uh, it was like three days on, two days off type thing. Uh, but, you know, you have to take two straight days off. So, like, what do you do? You know, I traveled a lot. I went to Baltimore, D.C., Myrtle Beach. You know, I got to enjoy myself. And I realized I was spending a lot of money. So, I'm like, why don't I just be, you know, constructive with my time instead of going to Myrtle Beach every weekend? Um, yeah. Let, let's, you know, let's do something productive. So, I, I, you know, had a lot of meetings. I, I sat in front of the Havelock Town Council. Um, well, I pitched the idea of me opening a dealership to the town. Uh, that was fun but you know it's just cool it was able to be an adult during business hours when normally in like supply you're pretty much locked to your job from 7 a.m to 5 you know 4 5 p.m yeah uh, and i was able to just kind of uh, do whatever i wanted in town got, i was very productive got a lot done um but yeah that's kind of where uh where my mindset was it's like i'm either going to get in trouble or continue to blow all my money or i can be productive and uh actually do something with it that's when i decided to open a business it was actually during pmo i had a lot of time to myself gotcha um now i i haven't talked about it at all yet but I know that while you're at pmo there had to be like some crazy things that occurred 
like some some good old some good stories that you have from either your time in the normal military or your time out there at PMO because PMO is just a whole nother demon when it comes to everything. Oh yeah, I got a whole bunch of stories. Um, you know, it, it sucks because I grew up with this mindset of, um, you know, like uh, I'm not a snitch, right? You know, everyone, a lot of guys kind of grew up like that. Like, don't yeah, it's not your, if it's not your business, don't share. So it kind of um, it was a little bit weird when I first got there. I, I'm like now kind of a honorary cop, right? You know, I have to police my friends. You're, yeah, 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 because you, you lost all your friends as soon as you assumed that role. Yeah, like if your buddy comes to the gate and he's drunk, like, you know, what do you do? That's your buddy. It's your boy. Like, you know, the right thing to do is to, you know, uh, process him, take him in or whatever. But you're like, dang, that's my boy, you know. But so I guess the stories uh, start with um, a guy I knew well. Um, I would consider him a friend. He, uh, you know, he had some substance issues and I knew that. And he texted me one day. Um and he asked me, he's like, Hey man, are you at the gate? And I was like, yeah, I am. But, um, I remembered a couple of days prior, he talked to, uh, he, we, him and I were talking on the phone and he told me that he got caught in town. Uh, he was 20 at the time he got caught drinking. Uh, he blew like a 0.02 or something. And he got pulled over. Um, he had an open container. So, you know, just like not a big deal. He's like leaving a party or something, blew a 0.02. So he's barely intoxicated at all. Like he had like one drink on his breath and he had an open container in the car. Um, and the cops let him off. They gave him a warning. So he was talking to me about it. I'm like, dude, you're lucky. Like, don't, don't be doing that. Like, say you get in trouble. Um, and then coincidentally, like three days later, he texted me. He's like, Hey man, you, you at the gate. I'm like, dude, you better not be coming through drunk. Cause like, I'm not gonna, you know, I'm not gonna hook you up here. That's, that's my, that's my, uh, name on the line. You know what I mean? I let you through the gate. You go crash and hit someone and that gets yep. hurt. That's not me. You know what I mean? That was so, one thing that happened lots of times whenever I was working because you know your good friends they know like your schedule at that point yeah and then yeah. it was always the same thing it was like hey man are you working right now and I'm like dude I no I'm like I you just stop wherever you're at because I'm not doing it I'm not hooking you up <laughs> yeah you know and they gotta understand because that's just that's business you know I mean that's being a, that's being an adult that's doing your job that's the right thing to do um but yeah I mean that was that was weird he came he ended up coming through the gate and uh, I actually wasn't at the gate scanning IDs. I was um, at a different post at the time. But I remember hearing on the radio, he came through and he, uh, his car had, um, it reeked like weed, you know? Oh. And, and I was like, wow, like that was a kind of hot and cold. I thought he was drinking. He was smoking. So um, he ended up getting processed there. And uh, that was what he got actually discharged for. Um, but and I was really disappointed. You know, I, I kind of, really disappointed him. I was disappointed in myself. It was just not really anything I could have done to help him. But, um, so I mean, that was kind of a sad, sad story, but, uh, another cool story. Um, I'll just leave it with these two and maybe you can share some of yours, but, um, I remember there's this guy who it was around Christmas time and I know that he actually had been working at PMO, but he was having, he was struggling uh, mentally. And he, he went to, um, the Lejeune psych ward, um, and he had just gotten out. He missed, he missed Christmas and get to go see his family. Um, so it's a little bit after new year's, uh, it's, we're on night shift. He comes to the gate at like one o'clock in the morning, you know, at, at one o'clock in the morning on a Friday night, you're, you're being, um, conscientious of, 
uh, everyone, making sure people yeah. are okay to drive and kids when people get out of the bars and stuff. Um, and so I'm, I'm having a conversation with the guy, uh, held the full conversation just fine, didn't stutter. You know, I didn't have any reason to believe he was impaired. Um, and you can pretty, you can usually tell they're, they're pale, their eyes are glossy. They, you know, you can just tell by the way they talk or the way they look that they're, they've been drinking. Yeah. Um, had no idea this guy was drinking until um, I noticed his tag was expired. And a PMO, if you got, you know, if you guys don't know, uh, expired registration is kind of a big deal at base. It's, it's silly, but it is. Um, and for me, I don't care. It's whatever, you know, go fix your tags, whatever. Um, so I was just wanted to let him know, hey, hey man, your tags are expired. You got to get that fixed before you come through the gate again because someone's going to write you a ticket for that. Um, and I let him know, and he, he actually started getting nervous and was like stuttering a little bit. And that's when I noticed his, his uh, eyes were like pinpoint. Um, mm. And uh, he, he was, I don't know, started to slur his words a little bit. So I asked him, I said, you know, have you, um, I thought he was on like drugs to be honest. I thought it was nothing like Coke or something, you know, yeah. eyes pinpoint. So I was like, hey, you know, you on any medication or anything? He's like, yeah, I'm on medication. I said, okay, well, um, does it affect the way you drive? And he says, uh, yeah, it does. I'm like, okay, well, that's not good. Um, maybe like Xanax or something. I don't know. Um, so I pull him out, just having a conversation with the guy, and he. We ended up seeing some empties in the passenger side. And we found an open container. There's like a bottle of vodka in the back seat. Uh, found a pistol mag in his car. Couldn't find the gun though. Um. Anyway, long story short, he blew a .22, which is almost three times the legal limit. And yeah. The guy, I mean, that's not unsurprising because you know you develop some sort of we joke about it but you, you know you develop a you can really be, guys can handle themselves on a lot a lot a lot of alcohol and um 0.22 walking and talking like that was quite incredible for me to see um but uh, the outcome of that it actually felt really terrible i found out that he uh he was on uh, he had done some coke um they had actually ended up finding coke in his room and that was part of his, the reason he got discharged oh um, man so you got a dui uh possession of uh, narcotics and uh, open container and he good actually, lord yeah he ended up um they he, they never found the reason they searched his room actually was because he had a pistol mag in his car and they wanted to make sure he yeah. wasn't gonna hurt himself um and uh, i guess the pistol was in his storage unit or something but he ended up getting uh, swiftly uh separated um felt bad the guy really needed some help but hopefully he got what he he was uh you know got the help he needed hopefully but I think you just need to get out of the military because a lot of guys, uh, a lot of, they have a lot of uh, mental health issues, um, and the military doesn't exactly foster uh, a great mindset. So, no, not not one bit. It's kind of, and it's 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 the sad it's the sad truth of the military. Honestly, is if you don't have a, like a good command and good people around you every day, your mental health really starts to diminish, and and it's hard to to find that outlet because like you said they uh they yeah they don't uh they don't nurse it they don't really i guess for a lack of better words it, it comes down to not caring honestly of where it's just the lack of um the lack of care in the people that are around them it's not they have there's like a thing that goes around in the military and it's nothing's a problem until it's a problem which is something that i absolutely hate that comes down through the military and there would be uh there'd be a lot less cases of like very severe things that happen if 
there was just that extra minute or two with just each person and kind of like just check on your own. Yeah, I, I agree. And, you know, while I was in a position of leadership, I, I tried to, you know, I like to say I'm, I'm pretty good at reading people. Um, so I would, you know, I would converse with my junior Marines and, um, you know, I, I would discuss things with them and try to get a scope on where they're at mentally. And sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it's pretty simple. I could, you know, kind of see like this guy's not doing too hot. And um, that was something I was always passionate about because, you know, I, I had my own struggles that um, no one really knew about because I, I had the resources to take care of them properly. Yeah. Which I was very thankful for. But I know a lot of guys don't, you know, they bottle that stuff up. They don't want to share it because they don't want to look weak and they don't know where to turn because, it's very just on a very taboo topic in the military, um, and unfortunately, I mean that leads to worse issues down the line. Um, so that was always something I was really passionate about. But uh, definitely, I see I see in the next five ten years, there's going to be some serious reform. There, there honestly, there needs to be, and if that's not something that's on like the market to be changed, that's that's definitely an issue. Um, like I, I know that I had I had my own issues whenever I, my sister passed, and I just knew that I needed to go out. I needed to to find my help. But uh, the one thing that always worried me was the fact that I knew the military didn't really cater towards things like that. But luckily, like we were talking about earlier, we had a really good command that behind us back at the mouths, and they they definitely they took care of me and they they pushed me and really wanted me to do everything that I felt that I needed to. Yeah, that, that's good. You know, and I remember the, the very, um, the turning point for me uh, to, to reach out was actually, I don't remember how I, how I figured, like who figured it out. I think they were walking through it was the MFLAX, which is the Marine family life counselors. They are confidential. Mm -hmm. They don't take notes. You know, it's not clinical. It's just counseling. It's just therapy. You know, you're just going to talk. Um, and I remember, I think we might've had a brief or something with just like resources. And I, I was reading about it. And I was like, this is like, this is kind of cool because one of my biggest concerns was, um, was that things are going to be recorded and then they're going to see like, oh, this guy's really messed up mentally. Like, let's kick him out. And that was a big concern of mine is my career. And if I open up, um, is that going to affect me? Uh, career-wise, I guess. And I, th I think that's a big concern for a lot of guys. And the fact that they had a confidential, no questions asked, they don't even take notes, um, the counselor uh, program, I just thought that was super cool and I had to take advantage of that. So definitely, um, you know, that was probably the first uh, uh, first time I ever uh, reached out to someone, I guess. And I, I just thought that was a cool program. And I know there's a whole bunch of other stuff. There's community counseling, um, you know, medical has... Uh, their own mental health that's you know for more serious cases and medication things like that and i think in the last at least since i've been in right, i haven't been in too long um just one enlistment but uh i they things have been getting um a lot less uh taboo i think i think we're moving in the right direction is what i'm getting at you know, people yeah are starting to, people are starting to be more comfortable about actually getting care and not just trying to bottle it all in and act tough which i think is super cool um, on a lighter note, I did have a couple of, uh, of my own, my, uh, my PMO stories, I suppose. Yeah, let's hear them. Um, so you, life is exhilarating as, as a PMO officer. Sometimes I had the, 
the luxury to, well, let's see. Uh, we'll, we'll start here. Um, so one day, just, just doing, doing my, my duties at the gate and all that, a, uh, I was checking IDs for the, uh, down in the inspection lane for drivers and all that, uh, the big truck drivers. And there was a woman that didn't have her ID. And so she got sent down to the inspection lane to get looked at and all that. And I was like, okay, whatever. Now she, she was like, oh, let me get my ID and all that. And we're like, okay. And so we had to do like the normal stuff, put her into the log sheet. And she was meeting somebody, but, uh, I needed to, to do the vehicle search to make sure everything was, was kosher and she didn't have like no guns or nothing. Um, go through searching her car is fine. She had like condoms and whatever. And we were like, okay, whatever. And we're like, ma'am, can you open up the trunk? And she's like, uh, I just, uh, um, uh, I don't know. We're like, well, we need to, so that way we can move you through. We're like, there's no weapons or anything back there. Are you? And she's like, no, there's no weapons. I'm like, okay, we'll be fine. Uh, she opens up her trunk and her trunk is filled to the brim with, with dildos. Oh no. Oh yes. Of, of every, every shape, every size, just absolutely filled to the brim with dildos. And that woman felt so embarrassed, but the most embarrassing thing about it was everybody had to like keep pulling them out to like get to the bottom of this trunk. (laughs) Find a gun underneath them. (laughs) (laughs) And um it it took like a good a good five minutes of like I guess pretty much playing with these dildos trying to get to the bottom of the trunk to make sure there was no weapons or anything. And uh luckily I wasn't the one that had to touch them but uh but I just thought that that was like one of the funniest things ever the entire time that I was out there. Yeah, yeah, that's that is pretty funny. I we've we've seen our fair share of dildos and vibrators and anything you want. I mean, I've seen fuzzy handcuffs in people's cars. It's it's funny because they don't expect to get searched, and boom, they get put into yep. a ram, and you're you're digging into the car. I've seen some interesting stuff, and I think the probably the, the funniest thing I've ever found was. Um, you know, they ask the, the question, you get up to the window, you say, hey, you know, I'm Corporal Rainer with Cherrypoint Pima or whatever. Um, you have any drugs, guns, bombs, explosives, you know, anything you need to let me know about. Um, and then these guys are like, yeah, uh, we have two Glocks in the glove box. I'm like, uh, excuse me? Like, he said, you have Glocks? And he just, he wasn't kidding. Uh, we pulled them out. And, you know, it's it, it makes me laugh because there's big signs right outside the gate that say no concealed firearms allowed on base. Yeah. And, Boom! This guy's got two brand new Glocks, both loaded in his glove box. He didn't know that he had no idea that you couldn't carry guns in your car. You know, and that's poor, why. Poor dude. Yeah, he probably ended up getting kicked out or or some serious charges, but um, they had to confiscate him and CID did an investigation. It was just crazy. You know, common sense is not common sense to a no, lot of people. You know, I felt anymore. terrible. I felt terrible. Real nice guys, but I mean, that's you can't. You find guns in someone's car, you can't just be like, oh, you know, have a good one. Um, on a military installation, it's government property, you know? Uh, there was a, a time with a trucker who we were uh, checking out his, his truck and all that. And we were going to get him all signed up to let him go deliver his goods. But the man had a 
had a like a revolver on his hip. <laughs> and oh boy. And just like everything that we learn is training is like, oh, that's a weapon. Pull your gun. And so it's it's little nineteen year old me with a loaded firearm pointing it at a trucker and and even in that moment of knowing that I was in full control, I forgot every little bit of training I had and just started yelling at the top of my lungs for somebody with more rank to get out there and handle the situation. <laughs> That's funny. You know, they, they uh, we did a felony stop one time on a truck driver. Uh, I ran his information. He came back because he had uh, warrants. And uh, I don't remember. I think it was like assault or something. Um felony one so he'd you know pull him out a gunpoint and all that uh you know it's pretty funny it was the first time i ever pointed a gun at anyone like that uh, yeah interesting you know that's what you're trying to do i guess but it actually makes me think about um somewhere it wasn't i keep thinking it's pensacola but it was another it was a naval station um somewhere on the east coast and there was a gate guard who was scanning ids and a, a guy pulls up to the gate pulls out a pistol and shoots her in the chest and luckily her flack uh you know took took the bullet she just got knocked down but she turned around uh, she got up uh hit the barricade button where it shoots up pulls through the uh through the road so you can you can't move you can't get on base then he uh she domed the guy right through his back window she shot him right in the head oh my lord yeah yeah one shot uh, it's nuts and if you it's just the, the reflexes she had were insane um you should look that story up sometime. It's quite interesting. She that's, you know, a, she that's a good cop. Yeah, she walked away with no injuries. The guy was killed. It was just wild. I remember that shooting. And everyone after that was on. We I think we um, raised our our DefCon level to um, or SecCon or whatever they call it, the uh, condition. Um, I don't remember, but yeah, I yeah, know what I talking about. yeah, they raised that up to add more security on the gates. That was I think this is when Iran was starting popping off a little bit. Uh, sort of beefing up security at the gates. I just thought that was crazy. So ever since then, I kind of took the job a little more more seriously. Because even though I was an MP, it was not an MP. Um, you know, I'm still there for the gun. Yeah. Like people are crazy. You know, you don't know who's going to pull up at the gate and say what or do what. That was like the one thing that really worried me is just the fact that like I'm not a cop, but I look I look like a cop. <laughs> Yeah. And so like if anybody ever has a vendetta against just cops in general, I'm like, oh yeah, I'm probably I'm I'm a target. Yeah, well you you really are. I mean, we've we've I mean crazy people pull up the gate. I remember um there was always protesters out outside the gate, anti military people or whatever. Um, you know, you just don't know. It's I mean, I was I'm a little paranoid to this day. So one of the things I struggle with is just because they train you in this mindset. Every time you go on shift, like, listen, you know, people don't like cops. Be on, you know, be on your A game, watch your back, be looking. And um, I was always, you're constantly scanning people. Like, you know, who's this guy? Uh, you know, what's he doing? And uh, yep. let's go talk, you know, people walking across the gate in the middle of the night, or, you know, look crack, you know, um, they're drunk or something, they're screaming, and you got to go talk to them. And you never know, like, someone could pull out a gun. You see, I see these crazy, crazy videos online. Uh, like real cops, uh, you know, they'll be having a friendly conversation at a traffic stop, and all of a sudden the guy turns and pulls a pistol out, you know, boom. Yep. You got to be quick. You got to be on your toes. So definitely an interesting experience. Um, can't say I got a little respect for law enforcement. I can't say I ever want to be a career law enforcement, though. No, there's there's no way I could do that. Yeah, but yeah, PMO, great, great educational thing. I learned a lot. I met a lot of great people. 
um, a lot about legalities and laws surrounding military bases and, um, you know, he's a good command too. Yeah, it, it, it was, it was weird. Like my time out at PMO, it felt like I wasn't part of the military anymore. I felt like I was detached from it all. If, yeah, that, if you kind of exactly understand right. that, I do. Yeah, I do. It's a different. Um, I mean, it's it's different. Like you know, you I got haircuts once a month instead of once a week. You know, we I didn't. Oh, I lucky barely, you. Yeah, I mean, I guess my platoon is a little more relaxed than other people's, but I barely shaved half the time. I mean, shaving every every other day. Um, it's very very relaxed. You know, you, you don't call each other by your rank. It's just there's a different level of respect when you're out there. Yeah, um, I I did have that aspect of it, but. Man, the haircuts. I'm jealous of that one. Yeah, yeah, it was super cool. We had a gunny who um who was getting ready to retire. Uh super, super cool gunny. Um I got maybe every three weeks, every four weeks get a haircut. Yeah. Super cool. Um oh another good story that I had from uh from PMO is there was a guy who he came uh he came to the main gate man was 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 like tore up from the floor up this man was absolutely hammered um he for whatever reason i like i just just started having casual conversation with the guy i told him to take his keys out of his ignition and all that and like very cooperative which usually the drunk ones usually they're like not very cooperative even because they know right. like hey they just fucked up yeah. um turns out this guy was a civilian and his destination was Cherries, which uh, for <laughs> anybody that doesn't know, uh, Cherries is the strip club that's right next to the like the main gate of the base. It's actually located at the end of the driveway at the high school. Um, they've actually they've renamed it. It's, it's not Platinum's. Platinum's bottom out. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. but yeah, big, mo- big money, right? Um, but yeah. So I was like, hey man, like where are you heading tonight? Just just by curiosity he's like oh i'm heading to cherries and i was like well i got bad news for you and he's like what and i'm like you made it to, to cherry point my friend and he's like what's cherry point and i'm like uh <laughs> well you're about to find out yeah <laughs> you know and, what sucks is it, sorry go ahead and uh he was like okay well i have a i have a text message to say where where i'm supposed to be at and i'm like okay that's that's cool. He's like, let me get it for you. I'm like, okay. And so he just, he just starts looking and he just keeps looking. And, uh, would you like to guess where he was looking at? I don't, I don't know. He's looking for a text message. He's on Snapchat or or not like a Google or something. Close. He's, uh, he's in his glove box. (laughs) (laughs) Drunk logic, yeah. Yeah, he's in here uh, somewhere, man. And then he kept telling me, he's like, "Oh yeah, I'm getting close to it." Um, he searched in his glove box until like backup came, and they're like, "Oh, what's he doing?" I'm like, "Oh, he's looking for a text message in his glove box. He hasn't found it yet." (laughs) And and it was just the craziest thing ever. I'm like, "Dude, dude, are you serious?" And, and just like that guy got out and he fumbled the entire, like the entire time. And just yeah. like that man was completely 
sl- like just wasted. We got um, we got a couple of people who pulled up the gate who just didn't know where they were. Uh, one lady put in directions to a dog park and somehow got sent to the back gate. Oh wow! And you're pulling up to a military installation. There's big signs that say you know only authorized personnel. Yep. Pass this point. They pull up to the gate and they're like, uh, hey, here's for the dog park. I'm like, are you, are you I think you're in the wrong place, lady. You know, it always <laughs> made me laugh. But one thing I was wondered, um, I always told myself, if I ever get pulled into like a ram or something, why do people just not turn around? Uh, I think of that too. I'm like, hey, uh, you know, oh, I didn't mean I'm not supposed to be here. Yeah, there's a turnaround spot right just past the gate. You can whip a UE and just get out of there. And they'll never see you. You probably can't even get your tag, you know? That's what I always told myself. If I ever got in a situation where they look, oh, you take your keys out of your car, which, you know, I don't drink or drive and I don't do anything stupid like that. But, you know, if they ever try to pull me into a ram and want to search my car, I just turn around. What are they going to yeah, do? Be, yeah, be like, oh, I actually, I'm not supposed to be here. Oh, yeah, sorry. I got to go somewhere, you know? That always made me laugh. I never saw anyone do that, but I, I certainly would. Especially if you know you got a gun in your car or something. You know, I would or... straight up respect it instead of waiting for their, like, to be caught. Yeah. Like, oh, be like, oh, I'm not supposed to be here. Be like, okay, no worries, man. See ya. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Good times. It's just kind of, yeah. it's just kind of wild how, yeah, they're just susceptible to everything, and they like people just completely shut off as soon as they get to a mil- military base. Yeah, I mean, you know, you growing up, you, I'm thinking like a military base, you know, guys with guns, and you know, I, I just, I can't see myself going anywhere near military base like why would you if you don't know what you're doing why would you even consider going anywhere near it you know i don't get that i got a great story i was actually in uh maryland and um fort meade is the is it the army base but it's actually the headquarters of the nsa and mm-hmm. the signs are not very clear so there's like three entrances or four entrances and one of them actually goes to uh, the nsa headquarters and it's heavily guarded um but if you pull up to that gate, you're going to be put in like, you know, you're going to be like interrogated if you don't have credentials to get in. Um, have you ever ventured up to High Rock, sir? High Rock? No. The next time you come up towards Maryland, uh, go go to good old High Rock and make sure you stop when the signs say that you should stop. <laughs> That's where the, uh, where all of, uh, and it's, it's very well known up here in Maryland, but, uh, it's, where the comm towers are, and supposedly there is a like a tunnel from the White House up there, so that way the president can like get the fuck out of there. Hmm. That's at cool. least that's what I've always been told. I, I always thought, you know, I I thought exploring military bases because you know you know as an active duty personnel you you have uh, an ID that will get you on any base. I just thought it was really interesting to. Uh, go on bases that are, you know, when you're traveling. So every time I went to a different state, I would go to that. Uh, and you would try their chow hall and give us a chow hall report. Yeah, I put it on my Snapchat. You probably saw this. I, I'd go to their chow hall and be like, uh, you know, this is pretty good. You know, I I appreciated that so much. <laughs> yeah, especially in D.C. or in Maryland. Eighth uh, and I went to Eighth and I base. Um, I don't even know what it's called. It's actually there's a name for it, but Eighth um, and I in D.C. I went to that joint. Uh, Army base uh, in Arlington. That was pretty cool. Yep. Uh, went to that chow hall over there. Went to Fort Meade. I've been to all kinds of bases. You know, it's you know it's cool. Um, 
trying to think of uh, – I had something else I wanted to bring up. Oh, shoot. Oh, d- damn. I am uh, I am stumped for words. Do you got anything else that you want to you wanna bring up and talk about? Um, well, I mean, I, I just – one thing I really thought was important while I was in, and I still think it's important, is just professional development in the military. And I feel like, you know, they spend so much money and so much effort on all these courses and, and resources and opportunities um, for education. I just feel like people don't really take advantage of them as they should, you know, and, and maybe that's the fans fault for not letting people go to these classes. But, um, you know, there's this place called the, the T&E Center, also known as the Training and Education Center, and they host um, – tons and tons and tons of different classes and seminars and um, basically free education. And that's so valuable. And I, I went to as many as I could, of course, but my command had to get kind of sick of me every, you know, after a while, I yeah. went to all the, the motorcycle, free motorcycle training courses. Um, I went to all those, uh, you know, budgeting, personal uh, finance. Boots to business is a big one. Boots to business. Yeah. I went to that. Um, that was a great class, you know, the Small Business Association, SBA, uh, made that. And it's a great class. Two days, learn a ton, great networking opportunity. Um, and I just don't think a lot of, you know, guys see that and use those opportunities. Um, and it sucks because they, they, they spend so much money on these programs to make people um, good people when they get out of the, the military. Right? They want them to be respectable citizens. And, uh, you know, I just wish that... Uh, I wish they, they were, I don't know if maybe they just need to be marketed better or the commands need to be more willing to let people go, but uh, I just feel like they're not utilized as much as they should. Like I utilize everything I possibly could, right? Milk everything, right? Because you earn that. Yeah, you know? honestly. Your benefits. You earn that. You're able to do it, do it. Uh, yeah, that's a, that's a great point to bring up. That's one thing that I really didn't do as much as I feel like I should have done. Um, I kind of let a lot of the extra stuff slip away. Um, but, uh, yeah, uh, do you have anything else? I, I'm all strapped for ideas. Yeah, I mean, I think we pretty much aired out everything I was thinking of. I just, you know, I'm really passionate about the idea that there's more to the military than just your, your job, you know. Yeah. You, you, wake, you, you wake up and uh, go to work, and when you leave work, uh, you can either go to the barracks and drink or you can go to the barracks or your home and work on yourself as a, as a, a professional, uh, you know, and, and just kind of have a plan for yourself. Everyone should have a five-year plan, you know, and, and if that's realistic and, and being a lifer, all the power too, you know, that's guaranteed income, good health care, well, good health care, I say that lightly, but um, <laughs> free health care, uh, you know, it's always a good career path, but if you're not planning on re-enlisting, um, make you know, sure you have a plan afterwards. Yeah, Try exactly. to set you up the best you can. There's definitely tools out there to afford you that opportunity. Certainly, and, and, and milk your benefits, you know. They're there for you. Use them. Tuition you, earned, you earned it. That's the biggest thing. You That's definitely right. earned it. That's right. Don't even get me started about disability benefits or VA benefits. I mean, it's just, you know, be educated, you know, be educated, um, you know, read. Uh, do your research and just, you know, there's more to the military and there's more to life than just drinking and, and, 
being, you know, having social events at the barracks every day, you know, enjoy yourself, but, you know, grow yourself as a person too. And uh, don't lose sight of that because you join at 18, you get out at 22, you know, and then you're 22 with no degree, you know, no or minimal job experience besides, you know, whatever MOS, if you even like your MOS, right? Like supply, I'll never be a supply guy, in, you know, in my civilian job. It was great that I had four years job experience, but I'll never do that, you know. So, I don't know. Just uh, just something always I always tell people, you know, keep in the back of your head, like, what's your plan? You know, be conscious of that and, and uh, be active towards your goals. Um, and, and don't lose sight of uh, what's important to you. So, that's about all I got. Um, I'm not a guru and definitely haven't made it yet, but I, I like to think I got a good head on my shoulders and I've had a lot of really great influence and want to you know, educate and share that with other people. So, Yeah, that you, that sounds great. I couldn't have said it any better myself. Um, Chris, I'd like to like to thank you for coming on to the podcast and like to thank you for talking and giving everybody some insight into uh, into what you did and how you made the Marine Corps and your military experience as a whole the best that it could be. Yeah, yeah, well, I appreciate that, you know, good conversation, thanks for having me on. Yeah, no worries, man, hopefully we can get you back on here later on. Yeah, yeah, for sure, one of these seasons, absolutely. All righty, thank you, man. Cool, yeah.